right, we're in the middle of a series called You Asked For It, but we uh, have a special treat. Uh, we have Philip and Laura Baker in the house today. Yeah, give them a hand clap. They travel all over the, the, the world, actually, all over the United States, medicine. They did a marriage conference yesterday. We had 22, 22 couples, and uh, you missed it. I just go ahead and tell you, everybody that was here will tell you, you missed it. It was funny. It was fun. We laughed, and you say, you know, well, don't even, so next year, if we do that again, you need to be here. And so we had a great time, but he's got a, a timely word. He's got a question. He's going to, you ask for it question. He's going to keep this going. So I'll ask Brother Philip to come up, grab that microphone, let you introduce your beautiful wife. This is Philip Baker from Houston, by the way, of Louisiana and all over the place. So Amen. God bless you, Thank brother. You, sir. God. Well, good morning. Now, I know we're in church, but don't be getting churchy on me now. You could be in church, but not be churchy. Not be churchy. It's good to be here. We've had a great weekend. We always uh, love coming up here. And, you know, uh, we're down there in South Houston. So, uh, you know, I'm going back to God putting a blow dryer in my face. And uh, about 100 degrees and coming up here. Y'all are blessed. Turn to somebody and say, we're blessed. I was preaching in Phoenix here a few weeks ago. And, had two blow dryers pointed in my face. And so uh, we, we love being up here. We love your pastors. We love Legacy Church. Y'all have got some of the greatest leaders in the world. Amen. And so we're just, uh, we're thrilled. I do have my wife with me. 35 years. Stand up. Give them the, the wave. A lot of beautiful women on the front row, but one of them's mine. One of them's mine. Praise God. You know, I, I do uh, I do love this church. You know, uh, we're in a lot of churches and been doing it for a long time. And what I'm about to say, I can't say about all churches. I, I wish I could, but, you know, Legacy is a church that has its flag, you know, so deeply planted in the Word of God. But it's the second part that I wish I could say about all churches, and that is y'all's flag is also deeply planted in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's, such a, it's such an honor to, to, to see that and, uh, and to feel that and, uh, and to be a part of a place that the Holy Spirit, y'all aren't just talking the talk, but you're walking the walk. And, uh, you know, the book of Acts had their flag firmly planted in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and so do you. And so I, I just thought, I just think it would be, it'd be good. Can we just, can we just give Jesus... A big hand clap for that. Come on and give your pastors, Brett and Lisa, a big hand clap for that because, you know, that's their heart. That's their heart is this is a church that the, the fruits are here, the gifts are here. Come on, amen. There's an anointing here that breaks every yoke of bondage. The glory of God is in the house. Somebody say we're under an open heaven this morning. Amen. We're standing on holy ground. And uh, this, this, this is a church the Holy Spirit moves. And, and uh, I tell people all the time, if you can't preach at Legacy, you need to find something else to do uh, because it's easy to preach uh, at, at this place because of it's just, it's just rich. Hey, I'm real excited. I wanted to show you something. Uh, your pastor and I, along with uh, some other dear friends of mine, an incredible ministry team, we're headed to Bulgaria in October and uh, that's where we're going. It's right there on the Black Sea, and 
I said, where's Bulgaria? Well, it's right there north of Turkey, and there's Greece and Macedonia and Serbia, and there's Romania up there. And if you'll look right there at Sofia, that's the capital, and you'll see right north of there, there's a little word, B-A-N-K-Y-A. It's, it's called Bonsko, and it's up in the mountains. And what we're doing is we're bringing pastors, 30 pastors from all over the nation, and we're going to bring them into Bonsko for three days and two nights. Beautiful hotel. There's a, there's a pastor coming all the way up there close to Romania. Uh, there's a pastor coming from Plovdiv right there in the middle where Star Zagora. Pastor Lubo's coming from Star Zagora. Pastor Augie's coming from Sofia. They're coming from all over the nation, and uh, they're coming in. And for three days, two nights, we're just going to pour into them. We're going to eat with them. We're going to prophesy over them. We're going to bless their socks off. And it costs them absolutely nothing. All they've got to do is get there. And then we're going to be doing a conference that weekend, and we're all going to be going in different directions and ministering in churches. And uh, there's some gypsy pastors that will be there. And so just be, just be lifting uh, that trip up. And when pastors talking to you about the upcoming trip to Bulgaria, you'll have a good idea of uh, where he's headed. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, real quickly, I wanted to, uh, uh, Miss Carmela is going to be back there at our table and after the service is over, and you can sign up for the daily move. It, you can use your phone and a little QR code. It's a little daily inspiration that comes, but allows you to kind of stay connected. That thing goes out all over the world uh, every, every morning. Uh, if you'd like to partner with us, you can grab a packet. Uh, our, our, our book is brand new. We just put this book out. Just a few weeks ago, y'all are y'all are one of the first few churches to that I've been able to have it. But it's called the Path, and uh, a great marriage. It's not a destination; it's a path. And listen, nobody's marriage is perfect. We just got to stay on the path. And so, if you got a strong marriage, you'll love it. There'll be so much confirmation and and uh, and. But if you've got a struggling marriage, you'll cherish it because there's going to be practical. Just answers on every page that'll uh, help you get your marriage back on the, uh, go headed down that path. And of course, that's what yesterday was all about. And my wife helped me write it. We wrote it together. And she's got a beautiful chapter on honor. And we wrote a chapter for singles. We There's a chapter for men and for women. And so uh, it's back there. It's back there. And uh, you can grab a hold of it. And then I, there's five bags left over from yesterday. And those bags are special to us because, first of all, it's a, it, those bags are a $100 seed, an investment into everything we do, the nations, the churches, the books, uh, the Daily Move, the Path TV, all the things we do. It's a seed into all that. But in that bag is that flash drive. And our entire media library is on that thing. 16 series on marriage and leadership and faith and healing and teenagers and just favor and kingdom and just faith and it's, it's, it's just loaded and so you get it and you Mac, your PC, most people now are just putting them into the USB of their car and turning their car into a Bible school. So that flash drive is in there but we wanted to be a blessing to you and so our first book, The Move, is in that bag. Our second book, The Build, is in that bag and then a copy of The Path is in that bag. And so Miss Carmella, help you, credit card, cash, check, what, whatever you want to do. But I did want to, you know, y'all are in the series. Everybody come on, what, what's it called? Put, that, put, the, put, the, put the title up there. You asked. Somebody say, you asked for it. 
And you know, one of the questions was, and while I'm holding this book, I thought it'd be a good time to talk about it, why are so many people getting divorced? Why is there so much divorce? And you know, it's the same in the church as it is out of the church. You know, there's not a difference. Why are so many people getting a divorce? Now listen, there's a lot of answers to that question. I mean, that thing's like an onion. It's got a lot of layers, you know. So there's a lot, a lot of different things. But the thing that comes to our heart, and it's really at the core of Laura and I's marriage, it's at the core of what this book is all about. For me, one of the greatest reasons people get divorced is because they don't love God, they don't love Jesus more than they love their spouse. Now, some of you love your spouse, you can love, but a, a great marriage, you got to love Jesus more than you love your spouse. We grew up in a home where my kids always knew Jesus came first. I loved their mama second, and they were third. Ask my kids, whose daddy loved more? Well, Jesus. Who does he love second? Mama. And then who does he love? Then he loves us. But you know what? That's the way it's supposed to be. And I'll just share this with you. Years ago, a pastor and I, we picked up this man from the airport. He just came out of, off a tour in Afghanistan. And uh, he'd been, you know, of course, flying all night. And, and, and I was, I was going to leave him alone, but Pastor Brett, he was chatty. So I started asking him questions about what, that, what was that like being, you know, uh, over there in Afghanistan. I'll never forget a story he told me. I, it's in the book. I use it all the time. But they set up a camp in the, in the desert for the, for the, for the, the, the squad, and, and they had Afghan soldiers there, and, and the Americans left. And they came back three days later, and all the electricity was off in the camp. There was no electricity. And they got back, and they go, why is the electricity off? And, and the, the, the Afghan soldier said, well, the generator's broke, a la wheels. And they said, well, you know, take us, take, take us to the generator. So they go into the generator, and um, they're looking at it, and they go, well, where's the battery? And they go, well, the battery's broke, a la wheels. So they said, well, take us to the battery. So they, they go into the tent where all the men, men were, and there's the battery sitting there. And they said, what, what's wrong with the battery? The battery's broke. They said, well, what's the battery doing in here? And he goes, well, the soldiers like to hook their, their, uh, their, their radios up to it and listen, listen to Iranian radio. Well, then they did that till the battery died. So they took, what do you think? They, they took the battery, took it back, hooked it up to the generator, jumped it off. I, the generator gets going, all the electricity comes on, all the soldiers come out, oh, everything's working. All our wheels. You say, Brother Foote, why are you telling us that story? Because for a marriage to work, the battery's got to be hooked up to the generator. Your marriage is the battery. God is the generator. And how you do that is you've got to love him more than you love your husband, and you've got to love him more than you love your wife. And that connects you to that power source of the agape Love of God. And if you're going to have a great marriage that stands the test of time, 35 years, uh, you got to be connected. Turn to somebody and say, you got to be, you got to be connected. Got to be connected. Amen. Well, listen, this morning, I want to, I want to talk to you about some things that God's put on my heart for the church. And I really feel like I'm here on kingdom business. I feel like we've got some church business to take care of. I feel like we've got some marching orders for the rest of the year as we move into also into 2024. I believe we're in perilous times, dangerous times, prophetic times. And, and I feel like God wants to take care of some business uh, this morning. Is that all right with y'all? I believe I'm here for the church first and then, and then you second. 
And, and I do know this, that what, what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. What we make happen for the church, come on, God will make happen for. How I many know we're supposed to seek ye first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto us? And so I, I really feel like God's wanting to do something very special at Legacy this morning, but also very special to you. And so turning your Bible over to Mark, the 10th chapter, there's a story there that uh, I've been preaching for years and years and years, and I just want to give you a brief uh, synopsis of that story. Y'all have all heard of the rich young ruler, right? The rich young ruler's there in Mark, the 10th chapter, and, and he comes up to Jesus and he says, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, 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 and Jesus said, well, you know, and he lists out six commandments. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And this young man says, I've done all those since my youth. And in a very special moment, it says Jesus looks at him and said he loved him. There's something about this young man that just captured the heart of Jesus. You know, Jesus looks at you that way. Amen? It captured the heart of Jesus. And Jesus said, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And it says that the young man walked away grieved because he had great possessions. And the way I've always preached that is, to me, that's the greatest opportunity, lost opportunity in the history of the world. Well, you're talking about missing it. I mean, he could have been one of the disciples. Amen? I mean, 2,000 years later, I think we would have known. If he says yes, I think we know his name. You never know. He might have written a book of the Bible. We might have had Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Bob. But he, he blew it. He missed that opportunity never to be heard from again. Boy, I sure hope he's in heaven. But if he is in heaven, he's got a story to tell. Amen? Well, here, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about what Jesus said when he walked away. I want to talk about what Jesus said when he walked away because we're going to move over into another question. And here, here's the question we're fixing to get into. You can put it up. What In the hour that we're living in, what does it mean to truly trust Jesus? It's easy to say, well, do you trust Jesus? Well, of course I trust Jesus. I'm in church, aren't I? Well, do you trust Jesus? Well, of course I trust Jesus. I'm saved. A little, a little too vague. And in the hour we live, live in, trusting Jesus has got to mean more to you than just coming to church. It's got to mean more to you than just being saved. It's got to mean more to you, come on, than reading your Bible every once in a while and celebrating Christmas. Come on, it, it, it has to have more depth than that. And I want to look at that today. And so I want to get a little bit more specific. I want to talk to you about what Jesus said when that young man walked away. So look at verse 23. Jesus looked around and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom? And the disciples says they were astonished at his words. Astonished. That always kind of bugged me a little bit. I mean, I just read that. Y'all weren't astonished. I'd go anywhere in the world and say those words, Pastor Brett. Ain't nobody going to be astonished. Keep reading. But Jesus answered again. He clarified it a little bit more. How hard is it that for them that trust in Everybody say trust. It's not the riches, it's the trusting in the riches. How many of those that trust in riches shall enter the kingdom of God? 
Then he says this, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And then look at verse 26. It says, and they were astonished out of measure. Well, I just read it, and you weren't astonished out of measure. So you're looking at Miss Lisa. She don't look like she's astonished out of measure. Come on, Miss Laura's not, were you, I, I'm not seeing very much astonished beyond measure there. But these disciples, their minds were blown. He just said something that shook them to their core. What, what, what was that all about? Why did, it, why did it bother them so much? Why were they astonished beyond measure because of what he just said? That's always bugged me. I've always had a question about that. I just finally, at the beginning of the year, sat down and decided I wasn't going to leave the Holy Ghost until I got an answer. Amen? Well, here's the thing. Here's the answer to that. When you go back and you look at uh, that culture and that world and the world they grew up in from generations gone back, they grew up in a world where the most holiest people they knew were rich. The holiest, if any, all the people who were guaranteed heaven, they, they were all rich. You say, who are you talking about? talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I mean, the Pharisees, they were in charge of the, of the synagogues throughout the country. Man, they, they, were, they were rolling. Come on now, they were rolling. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Pharisees were rolling. Boo, but those Sadducees, they were in charge of the temple there, and they were really rolling. And what did Jesus just do? I wrote this down because it just, the way it hits me. He turned upside down everything they believed concerning who was holy. He turned them upside down. He blew their mind. He just told them that everybody they thought was a shoe-in for heaven is not a shoe-in for heaven. Matter of fact, it's going to be hard for any of them to reach heaven because they trust in riches more than they trust in Jesus. And it blew Peter's mind to such a degree that he says there, and this is the way I believe he said it, if you don't agree, then you come up here and preach because this is the way I believe he said it. He said, well, then all them can be saved. I don't believe. Well, then who if thouest believest that could be savest? I don't believe he said it that way. I think he said, well, then all them can be saved. He cooked their mind. They were blown away. They were astonished beyond measure. Jesus, are you telling me all the Pharisees, all the Sadducees, all the people that are the holiest people there are, it's going to be hard for any of them to go to heaven? Uh, yep. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for any of them jokers because they trust in riches more than they trust in. So it goes back to our question. What does it really mean to trust in Jesus? Because in the hour we're living in, do you want to trust in riches or do you want to trust in Jesus? Well, can we talk about where the rubber meets the road? I mean, can we really get real with that? And matter of fact, can we look at the answer to those questions in context of what Jesus says? Because I think you're fixing to see these scriptures differently than maybe you've ever seen them before. So... Jesus says, Peter, Jesus says, looking upon them, with men it's impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Now, y'all know that scripture, but what we'd like to do is we'd like to take that scripture out of that chapter and use it as a memory verse. 
And I'm not saying that's wrong, but what's the context? He's talking about trust. He said, with God, with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. In other words, this is what he was asking them. Are you going to trust in riches or are you going to trust in my unlimited possibilities? Are you going to trust in riches? Hey, I'm asking you, Legacy Church. You going to tr- Remember, I'm talking to the church first, people second. Are you going to trust in the days ahead? Mm, in the days ahead, 2023, 2024, everything going on in the world, elections, blah, blah, blah. You going to trust in riches or are you going to trust in God's unlimited possibilities? And when I say unlimited possibilities, what am I talking about? Come on, I'm talking about all the answers you'd ever need, all the harvest you'd ever need, all the breakthroughs you'd ever need, all the miracles you would ever need. Do you want to trust in riches or do you want to trust in his unlimited possibilities? Here's another way of saying it. In the days ahead, would you rather have bread or would you rather own a bread factory? Would you rather uh, people give you a bunch of fish or would you rather own the lake? Would you rather me just hand out money or would you rather own the bank? Let me tell you something. Jesus, he's the lake. He's the bread factory, and he's the bank. So when we talk about trusting in Jesus, I trust in Jesus. You trust in riches, or do you trust in his unlimited possibilities? Look at the next thing he says here. It's right here in front of us. We've just missed it. Peter said to him, Lo, we've left all. We've left all, and we followed you. We didn't do what that guy did. We've, we followed you. And he goes, I know, I know. Look at verse 29. I know, I know. But verily I say unto you, there's no man that's left houses or brethren or sisters or fathers or mothers or wives or children or lands for my sake and the gospel. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions. And in this world come eternal life. And we all love that passage. We use those scriptures to receive offerings. And we kind of pop them out of the word and, and we say, you know, hey, give and, you know, you get a hundredfold and, da, 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 and we, you know, that's a good offering scripture. But can we look at it in context of trust? Number one, do you trust in his unlimited possibilities? Number two, what's that scripture talking about? What's he telling them? Do you trust in reward? Peter said, we have left all. He goes, I know you've left all. And because you've left all, you're going to be rewarded well brother philip i don't do what i do for reward i do it for jesus and i i i give my life i give uh, and i don't expect anything in return well then your faith is sorely lacking because in hebrews 11 it says Faith, come on, you have to believe that God is and that he is a, oh, come on, let's do that again, and that he is a, those who diligently seek him. God's a rewarder. And listen, he will not allow you to outgive him. He is a rewarder. What was he telling these guys? I know I know everything y'all have given up, but you ain't going to outgive me. You're not going to outgive the kingdom. You're going to be rewarded. You've got a decision to make in the days ahead. No matter what happens in this world, are you going to trust in riches or are you going to trust in reward? Now, here's where the rubber meets the road on that. When you trust in reward, tithing, sowing, giving becomes really easy. The battle is over. 
it's just, it's just easy. Why? Well, because you trust in reward. When you don't trust in God's reward, it's hard to tithe, so give, because all you're looking at is what you're losing instead of the reward you're gaining. So I'll say it this way. Uh, pretty sure an angel came to us the other day and said, hey, Philip, I just wanted you to know heaven's really worried. And I heard God and Jesus talking to each other, and they said they were really worried about your giving because you're giving so much that they don't know if there's enough harvest to handle the seed. They're thinking about maybe having to um, uh, pull up some roads, uh, you know, because made out of gold. And, and, and they're, they're maybe they're, they might be asking you to slow you because, you know, Laura and I, we tithe, and then we support 15 ministries around the world, and everywhere we go, we're, we're just writing checks as the Holy Ghost leads us. I mean, I'm addicted to giving, and God supports my habit. I just love giving. Amen? And, 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 and so God's really, he, he's really concerned about it. And so I'm, I'm thinking any day he's going to come and say, can y'all slow down your giving because I'm, I'm having a hard time keeping up with the heart. Are y'all believing any of this gibberish? Come on, am I talking gibberish? Y'all know I'm talking gibberish. Can you outgive God? And why aren't we trying? We all know in our heart that you can't outgive God. So why aren't we trying? It goes back to trust, doesn't it? This is an hour we're living in where we've got to trust in his unlimited possibilities. We've got to trust in reward. And then there's one more. And it's, oh, this scripture. Oh, look at verse 31. But many that are last, shall be, many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. That scripture is... Uh, I don't know if the body of Christ really knows how much to do, what to do with that scripture. Anytime we don't understand something, we just go, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And, we, and it's kind of a super spiritual statement, and we just kind of use it as a catch-all, and, and it's kind of a way to say God's ways are higher than our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. There's his ways and there's our ways. You know, there's a lot of things that happen in life, and a lot of things God does, and when, he, and when he does it, we completely agree with him. You know, someone's sick, we pray for them, they get healed, and we're like, good job, God. High five. We agree. Right? Some, so, someone doesn't have a job, we pray for them, they get a job, it's somebody we love, and we're like, God, good job. We, we agree with what you did there. There's all these things that happen, all these times we pray, all these miracles we see, all these answers to prayer. And when we see all that stuff, we go, God, good job. High five. Pow. Give you the glory. Because when it comes, when it comes to his ways, uh, the ways we agree with, good job, God. But what about the ways we don't agree with? What about the person who uh, was sick and we've been praying forever and they're still sick? What about during COVID, the people you prayed for and they died? What about the things, and this is, this is come on, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in your wheelhouse. All the things you've seen, all the things you've prayed, people you love, and you were believing God, and it didn't happen, or it hasn't happened yet. 
It's easy to agree with the way the, it's easy to agree with the ways you agree with or believe in, but what about the ways you don't understand? What about those? And what happens is, is we all carry around on our back these wines. It's a bag of wines. We all have our wine. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my mama? Why did this happen to my son? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? We, all, we, we got our bag of wines. We just carry them around everywhere we go. It's easy to trust in the God's ways you understand, but can you trust in God's ways you don't understand? So we got our bag of wines. Let me help you with your, your wines because all of you got them. Don't tell me you don't because you do. You know, when it comes to you and what you're going through, you, have a, you can get the answer to those wines. The Word of God has those answers. The Holy Spirit has those answers. And, and I'm not saying you're going to get them overnight. But if you seek, ask, knock, when it comes to you and your life and your heart, you can, you can get the answer to those wines. But when it comes to other people, when it comes to family, when it comes to friends, when it comes to other people, have you ever considered maybe that wine is... Maybe, possibly, none of your business. I mean, do you presume to know everything that's going on in the life, the heart of somebody else's, on somebody else? Does, it, does anybody in here know everything that's going on in your heart? When it comes to you, you can get those answers to those whys. But when it comes to other people, you might not, because it might not be any of your business. The secret things might belong to the Lord. So even though you may not agree, even though you may not understand, can you choose to trust? I'll give you an example. Brother Hagen, uh, when he was a young pastor, he went into a, a, a man in his room was, was in a coma. And he was, he was a good man, and he went into the room, and he's praying, getting hearing, trying to hear the voice of the Spirit, and he's about to pray for this man. He's about to raise him up. He's about to command him to come forward. Pastor Brett and the Holy Ghost said no. He said laws have been set into motion that at this time are impossible to reverse. Let me say that again. Holy Spirit spoke to him and said laws have been set into motion that at this time are impossible to reverse. The young man was in a coma. So he walked out in the lobby. He didn't pray. And the brothers out there, Brother Hagin, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? What did God say? What'd you do? 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 Brother Hagin didn't want to tell him what God said. So he finally said, well, the Lord spoke to me and said, laws have been set into motion that at this time are impossible to reverse. And he asked the brother, he goes, does that mean anything to you? And he goes, no, brother, hey. He said, my brother was strange. He said, and all throughout his life, every once in a blue moon, he would say, I don't think I'll live past the age of 39. Guess how old he was? I know you have your wines. After COVID, a lot of people had wines. I know you got them. I know a lot of you have been through trauma. You've been through things. You've had, had things happen to you. You've had things happen to people you love. Trauma. You've got your wines. Some of them you understand, maybe a lot of them you don't. It's easy to trust in the ones you understand. Can you trust in the ones you don't understand? And this is what helps me. 
One day, stand up, brother. You're going to help me preach a little bit. Stand up. One day, you're going to be in heaven, man. You're going to be all in heaven. You're going to be having a good time sitting in front of maybe a computer in heaven. I don't know. And, uh, and the angel's going to walk up to you and go, hey, um, the Father wants to see you, and uh, he knows you have a question you want to ask him, you know, that why that you, that's been wearing you out. Uh, he, he said, come on, and, and you can ask him why. Amen? All right, so all of a sudden, boom, he's in the presence of God, and he's going to come walking into the throne room like John Wayne. Finally going to ask God why. I've been wanting to know the answer to this question forever. Why? He's going to take his wine, going to put it on a beautiful silver platter and put the top on it. You know, he's going to walk into the throne room, and, and the father's going to say, okay, go ahead. I know you've been wanting to ask this question ever since you got up here. Go ahead, shoot. Why? This is all of us. Why? Why did this happen? Why did that person die? Why? And this is what God will say. It'll sound something like this. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada bing, bada boom. Bada bang, and bada bing. Bada boom, bada bing, and bada boom. And you're sitting there going, But a bing, but a boom, and finally, but a bang. And you're gonna be, you're, we're all gonna be sitting there, and you're just gonna be like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Father." Um, I think I'm gonna go now. And in that moment, you're gonna feel a little embarrassed because all those years you could have trusted Him, but that bag of wise was wearing you out. And you're going to be kind of, what do you call it, crawfishing out of there. And God goes, oh, wait a minute. Are we good? And you're going to be like, uh, do we need to have another conversation about it? Now, in the moment, in that moment, it's going to be easy to say, oh, okay. Can you say, oh, okay now? Can you, can you trust him enough to say, oh, okay now? Everybody stand to your feet. All morning long, something's been stirring in me. Stirring in me. Stirring in me for legacy. Stirring in me. Can we take our trust in Jesus higher? And Jesus can take his trust in us higher. What If you sow trust, what will you reap? If you sow the seed of trust, we can reap the harvest of trust. So if we can, as a church, if we can trust Jesus more, then Jesus can trust us more. If we can sow the seed of trust in Jesus, we can reap a harvest of trust from Jesus. If we can trust Jesus with more, then Jesus will be able to trust us with 
more. I gotta say that again. If we can trust Jesus, He can trust us more. If we can trust Jesus with more, He can trust us with more. Brother Philip, more of what? Well, more of His glory. More souls, more children, more families, more miracles, more signs and wonders, more of everything we need to do, everything God's called us to do in the hour in which we live. We want God to trust us more, but we've got to first sow our trust in Him. You've got to sow the seed before you can reap the harvest. I'm here to ask Legacy Church this morning, Will y'all sow as a church the greatest seed of trust? I know I, I trust in God. We can trust anymore. Laura and I, we trust in Jesus. We can trust in Him more. We can trust Him with more. And if we can trust Him with more, God will trust legacy with more. So you want to, will you, can you, as a church, step into a greater realm of trust? And if we can do it as a church, you can do it as a person. You can do it as a couple. You can do it as a marriage. You can do it as a business. And it's not vague anymore, is it? What are we talking about? Can we trust Him with unlimited? Can we trust His unlimited possibilities? Can we trust in His reward? Can we trust in the ways we don't understand? Years ago, there was a, around 1858, there was a guy named Charles Blondin. He was a Frenchman. And um, he took a tightrope, stretched it over Niagara Falls. About a quarter of a mile. People gathered it, both sides, Canada and America. And he's just walking back and forth. Walk, man, they're cheering him on. He'd go to one side, yeah. He'd go to the other side, yeah. He just and he and finally he got a wheelbarrow. He put it on there and he's walking back and forth with that wheelbarrow. Because how many of you believe I can walk back and forth across this tightrope? Yeah. How many of you believe I can I can walk back and forth with this wheelbarrow? Yeah. Is there anybody that'll get in the wheelbarrow? Is there anybody that get in a wheelbarrow? Trust is that way. We all want to trust until it's time to get in the wheelbarrow. If we can trust in his unlimited resources, if we can trust in reward, if we can trust in the ways we don't understand, if we can sow that seed of trust today, things will begin to happen in this church and in your life, and you will be astonished beyond measure. He will blow your minds. But you ain't going to get that harvest till you sow that seed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The first step into this realm of trust 
Talked about this yesterday. We'll talk about it again. The first step into this realm of trust is not just knowing Jesus is your Savior, but Jesus has to be Lord of your life. Many believers trust him enough to be saved, but they don't trust him enough to be, for him to be Lord. Lord means boss. Lord means master. Lord means Jesus, you lead, I follow. Lord means I follow you. I go where you tell me to go. I do what you tell me to do. Lordship, lordship, lordship is different. Lordship is I want to be who you called me to be. I want to do what you called me to do. Don't make me go carry Underwood on you. Come on now. Lordship is Jesus, take the wheel. And there's a lot of you in here. Come on. You, you, you have trusted him enough to be saved, but have you trusted him enough to be, for him to be Lord of your life? That's where this journey begins. That's where that seed of trust begins is with lordship. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. Every head bowed, every eye closed. But if you're here this morning, you say, ooh, Brother Philip, I need to make Jesus Lord. I need to make Jesus Lord. I want him to be my Savior. I want him to be more than my Savior. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I need to get that taken care of today. If that's you all over this building, just slip your hands up everywhere. Hands, hands. You need to make Jesus Lord of your life. Hands going up. Hands going up. You may be saved. You may not be saved. That's not what I'm asking. Do you want to make Jesus Lord of your life today? Hands going up. Come on, just a few more seconds. Thank you. Come on, thank you. Thank you. Five, just a few more seconds. Come on, thank you. It'll never be easier for you to lift your hands than it is right now. We're going to make Jesus Lord today. Hallelujah. Thank you for your hands. You can put them down. Keep your head bowed, eyes closed. If you have a bag of wines, if you've got a big time wine, why God, why, why God, and it's been wearing you out, it's been stealing your lunch money, it's been distracting you, it's been keeping you down, it's been keeping you chained up, it's been keeping you from going deep, it's been, it's been keeping you from being who God's called you to be, doing what God's called you to do, because that why is always there, it like orbits your life the way the moon orbits the earth. And today, you want to get rid of that why? You want to get that why, that trauma under the blood? You want to go ahead and make a decision? You're going to trust him? If you got a why that's been wearing you out, come on, all over this building, just lift your hands everywhere. Who's got a why that's just been wearing you out? Oh, hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. How many of you... How many of you have a wound that you want it, Jesus to turn into a scar? Come on, lift your hands in this place. You've got a wound. You've experienced trauma, and you've got a wound, and you want God to turn it into a scar. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. There's a big-time why attached to that trauma. God's going to turn wounds into scars today. Ooh, you can put your hands down. Every head up, every eye open. Everybody look up here. I'm talking to church. I'm talking... Legacy is your church. Legacy, this is my church. Those are my pastors. My feet are planting. This is my church. I'm talking to you. This is my church. As a church, how many of you want to sow that greater realm of trust in Jesus so that Jesus can trust us? How many of you want to sow as a church Trust him with more so God can trust us with. You gotta sow the seed before you can reap the harvest. As a church, who wants to do that? 
I want to pray over you. If you lifted your hands for anything, I want you to come down to the altar. Make your way down here. Don't get in a line. This ain't about somebody laying hands on you. We're coming down as a family. This is uh, family time. We're coming down here as a corporate body. Don't kneel. Don't sit. Don't get in a line. Just gather around. Football field, they'll huddle up around the quarterback. I ain't the quarterback. Jesus is. Just make your way down to the altar. Take your time. You're good. I want to pray over you. I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a prayer. I want us to sow that seed so that harvest can be released from the hands of the Father. I believe a great season for this church ends today and a greater season begins. I believe the things that are being set in motion at this very moment are going to cause things to happen. And come on, by the end of the year, 2024, y'all going to be astonished beyond measure. Don't you love those words? Say them, I say, astonished beyond measure. Astonished beyond measure. What's your name, brother? Terry. That's who God is. Come on, Ephesians 3. He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. Isn't that astonished beyond measure? He's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Isn't that astonished beyond measure? Calvary. What was Calvary? Yeah, it was astonished beyond measure. Five loaves and two fishes fed over 5,000. Astonished beyond measure. Raised Lazarus from the dead. Astonished beyond measure. What happened to legacy in August, September, October, November, December? Come on, say it with me. Astonished beyond measure. How did it happen? We sowed a seed of trust and we reaped a harvest of trust. Pray this prayer with me. Everybody say, Father, I love you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. Come on, from the front to the back. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. All my sins, all my regrets, all my guilt, rebellion, mistakes, lies, all that trauma, all those whines washed away in the blood of Jesus. Jesus, you're my Savior. But in this moment, I boldly declare you're Lord of my life. I'm going to be who you've called me to be. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Jesus, you lead. I'll follow. I'm going to trust in your unlimited possibilities. I'm going to trust in reward. I'm going to trust in the ways I don't understand. Just be real still because these whines are falling off of you. All these whines, why did this happen? Why did that happen? They're being melted away. Why did this person die? Why did that person live? Why did this person who was good die? Why did that person who was bad live? All those whines are just melting away. Why did that happen to me? Why did that abuse happen to me? physical, emotional, sexual. Why did that happen? That wine is just melting away. Why did this happen in the country? Why did that happen in the country? Why is this happening? That wine is melting away. That trauma is being washed off of you, out of you, 
that wound is being healed right now. That wound is turning into a scar. I love my scars. You're going to learn to love your scars. What was the first thing Jesus showed the disciples after he was resurrected? He showed them his scars. Your scars are going to be a testimony. You'll show people all the days of your life, and you'll go, look what God did for me, and God will do it for you. I love my scars. They're not wounds anymore. They're scars. God's turning wounds into scars right now. He's melting away, washing away all those wines. Right now, as a church and as individuals and families, we're stepping into the greatest realm of trust we've ever stepped into before. And I want to remind you what I said. You can't outgive God. You give him this realm of trust, you're fixing to see a realm of trust given back to you that's going to be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And when it's all said and done, this church is going to be astonished beyond measure. Look up here. Take your finger. Do this right here. Do that right there. You say, what are we doing? You're touching your scar. It don't hurt, does it? You don't have wounds anymore. You're not going to spend the rest of your life doing this. Licking your... Parties. Using your wounds as uh, excuses and reasons not to ever fully... You don't have wounds anymore. What do you got? I love my scars. They're testimonies of God's grace and mercy. Pastor, will you come stand up here? Be real still. Because in about five or six minutes, I'm going to give this mic to him before he's already got here. Imagine for a second. Be real still. Be real still. Presence of God's in this place. Man, the glory's here. Imagine in your heart a beautiful tree. Beautiful. Alive. Beautiful. Special. Beautiful. And there's crows all over that thing. Nasty crows. All over that thing. And all of a sudden, a shot, pow, is released. And all those crows just scatter. Come on, everybody say scatter. Pow. And that tree is free. That tree don't have those nasty crows all over it. That tree standing tall, it's free, feels good. Now imagine for a moment you're that tree. One of God's beautiful trees. But you got these crows in your life. They're all over you. Pain. Soreness. Stiffness. Injuries. Arthritis. Gout. Plantar. All these crows been sitting on you for years. You wake up every morning, that crow sitting on that knee, 
sitting on that lower back, sitting on your neck. Them stinking, nasty, demonic crows all over you. What if a shot was to ring out this morning, a Holy Ghost, pow, a pow, saturated with the name of Jesus. Come on up. And all that stuff scatters. Come on, all those crows scatter. All that pain scatters. All that soreness scatters. All that, it all just takes off. And as soon as you hear that pow, you just start moving your body. And all of a sudden, this look comes on your face. And you're like, oh. And, and, and you're looking around. And you're just astonished beyond measure. And you're like, oh, my gosh, the pain's gone. The soreness is gone. The stiffness is gone. And you're, and you're bending over and you're touching your toes and you're lifting your shoulders and your elbows and you're in your hands. And all these areas of your life where, there, where you were hurting and there was pain and soreness and inflammation, it's just, it's just, it's just different. It, 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 it's all gone. All that stuff scattered just like those birds. Close your eyes in this place. Be real still. There's about to be a sound. Father, you love them so much. Father, we don't understand how much you love us. We see Calvary, but even now we don't understand the love that was behind Calvary, the love that was behind Jesus taking those 39 stripes. Father, you love us. Father, you want us healed more than we want to be healed. You want us pain-free more than we want to be pain-free. Father, you love us. Every one of us are one of your beautiful trees in this, in this earth. Father, you love us. And Father, I thank you right now for the anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage. I thank you for the anointing that's just stripped off of them anything that would keep them from receiving what Jesus did for them at Calvary. Father, I thank you that anointing, it already has. It's destroyed the yoke. It's lifted burdens. It's destroyed the curse. Father, I thank you right now. We're sitting here. We're standing here. And Father, th th there's no yoke. There's no curse. There's no burden in this place. The anointing has broken it all. Father, we're going to be able to easily reach out and receive what Jesus did for us. Demonic power, pain, soreness, stiffness, inflammation, sickness, disease. We rebuke you. We bind you. And we command you to go in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. The healing power of God's flooding this place. Father, I thank you that life, light is flooding their bodies. Father, I thank you we're healed and we're whole. Father, we're not trying to get healed. Father, by your stripes, we have are healed. Father, thank you for what you've already done. In Jesus' name, pow! Begin to move your body. Begin to move your body. Trek your knees out. Bend over, touch your toes. Move your shoulders around. Move your neck around. If you're in the back, the front, just begin to move your body around. And birds came off you. 
Come on, keep moving. So can somebody lift up the name of Jesus? Woo, come on. Move your toes around. Move your jaw around. Move your, move your body around. Move your hands. Move your wrists, your elbows. Just check your body out. Check your body out. Ooh, thank you, Father. Come on, lift your hands in this place. Just a little bit more. Just holy. Come on. Anybody got a holy in them? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Come on, one more time. Somebody lift up the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that these trees are free. Come on, let's prophesy that. Everybody say, these trees are free. Come on, move a little bit more. Say it again. These trees are free. Woo! Come on, somebody say, now I'm free. Come on, move a little bit more. Move those knees. Keep moving and keep praising God. Come on, come on, that you're free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Yeah, Father, come on, let's rev up a little bit. Father, we thank you we're free. Father, we give Jesus the praise, the glory, and the honor. Move a little bit. Thank you, Father. Ooh, those birds have scattered. Thank you, Father. Put your hands down. If the pain's gone, the soreness is gone, the stiffness is gone, if there is a difference in your body, and you're like, wow. Say it backwards. Wow. There's a difference in your body. The pain, soreness, stiffness is gone. Lift your hands everywhere. Ooh, come on, lift your hands. Wave them at me. Wave them at me. Wave it. Come on. Let's give Jesus a hand clap this morning. Hallelujah. Man, God is good. Y'all sowed a seed today that's going to change the course of your life. This church. You sowed a seed of trust. This church is standing in a greater realm of trust. I'm telling you, Laura and I, we're standing in a greater realm of trust right now than we were yesterday. I'm leaving Withville. We're going to trust in his unlimited resources, possibilities more than ever before. We're going to trust in reward more than ever before. And we're going to trust in the ways we don't understand more than ever. We're going to trust him, and he's going to trust us. We're going to trust him with more, and he's going to trust us with and we're going to be a st- We get it on here. Let's make our way back. And as you're making your way back to your seat, I want to tell you, Psalms says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Now, you had to take a step when I said go back to your seat you got to start moving to trust you can say you trust all day and just sit there if somebody puts a bowl of something in front of you you got to trust that they're a pretty good cook and if you're from Louisiana and they're from Louisiana you got to ask what's in it and you're going to taste it and then you're going to decide whether you're going to eat it all. Well, you got to step out. It's time to start wading in the water and testing out this trust. you got to move. So we're going to trust God. Amen? Trusting God's not always about money. It's about you moving. Planting the seed's not always money. It's trusting God with your kids. Trusting God with your job. <laughs>